Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What if consciousness was so real that our consciousness can leave our physical body? Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Welcome back to the Mind Valley podcast. This is a special episode, an exploration of altered states. What you're going to learn in this episode is how to access altered states. For everything from lucid dreaming to inspiration to tantric experiences to astral projection. This is going to be a fascinating episode, and this is a two hour deep dive that was recorded in front of a live audience at Mind Valley University in Croatia. If you're interested and you find this episode interesting, consider joining us for Mind Valley University. The next one is happening July 13 to August 2nd in Amsterdam. You can learn more on mindvalley.com forward slash the letter U. So mindvalley.com forward slash U. So let me tell you about this episode. I'm fascinated by altered states. And I became fascinated after reading Stephen Kotler's book, Stealing Fire. He spoke about how altered state access is now a trillion dollar economy. Marines use it to improve their training. CEOs use it to improve their abilities as a leader. Artists use it to boost creativity. It's a powerful thing. And this is an exploration of altered states, which is essentially accessing different levels of brain frequency to accomplish different things. Kotler famously said when he was on stage at Mind Valley that if you look at indigenous cultures, indigenous cultures lived in polyphasic states of consciousness. They actually worked during their dreams. They communicated with each other during their dreams. There are tribes like this, like the Achua tribe of Ecuador, whom I've visited, that do this. They use altered states for healing. They use altered states for battle, to go into trances. Ayahuasca ceremonies, plant medicine are all applications of altered states. But modern Western culture is monophasic. It's about one state, the beta or waking frequency. What happens if we can access altered states? Alpha levels, which are practiced during meditation and were popularized in Asia. Theta levels, where you access intuition and psychic experiences. Delta levels, where you're tapped into higher intelligence. In this episode, I'm going to bring in several friends of mine who are experts in various forms of altered states. You're going to learn from Charlie Morley, the famous lucid dreaming instructor. He wrote the number one book on lucid dreaming. And by number one, I mean that among our Mind Valley network, this is the most passed around book. His wife, Jade Shaw, who's becoming a leading authority in astral projection. Helena Hudova, the former Czech supermodel, who is now teaching Tantra. And Leila Kadri, who teaches ecstatic dance and is one of our top teachers at every A-Fest. I brought them on stage because we're going to discuss altered states. You learn about lucid dreaming, meditation, states of arousal, tantra, and out-of-body experiences. You learn how these concepts are no longer woo-woo. They are trans-rational spirituality, meaning it's spirituality that cannot yet be understood fully by science, but is being embraced by scientists 
because more and more people are experiencing them to be true. You'll get an introduction to brainwaves and you will learn actual exercises, meditation, eye gazing, gratitude, lucid dreaming, sacred conscious sexual exercises, <laughs> and out-of-body experiences. So this is going to be a bit of a mind warp, but I think you're really going to like it. And if you enjoy this episode, please leave a review. Thank you. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. Hi, everyone. You're not going to be listening to a lecture. You're going to be going through an immersive experience accessing altered states. So let me tell you what we're going to be covering today. Today, you're going to learn why in the Western world, we get tricked into seeing the world from a particular lens. And that is the lens of the physical world, that everything that is real is that which we can touch. But in indigenous cultures of the world, they don't just function in the physical world. They have practices and rituals that help them go deep into the world of spirit, of mind, of soul. For example, I once went to spend a week with the Achua people in Ecuadorian Amazon. And there we sat with shamans who would give us ayahuasca. And we would go on these incredible trips in our head. Medicine like that can awaken you to this whole different parallel universe that often the Western mind isn't aware fully exists. But these worlds are as real to us as the physical world. Close your eyes for a moment. Bring back a memory of someone you truly love. It could be a pet, it could be a loved one. Just think of someone you truly love. Think about the memory of that person, the last hug or kiss that that person gave you. That person isn't here. You're not physically seeing that person, but the memory, the feelings, those are real. Human beings do not just exist in a physical world. We are dualistic beings. We exist in flesh, but also in consciousness. However, while we know this, most of us don't understand how dualistic we are, how much of our lives actually are pure consciousness. And what you're going to learn today is you're going to go on an incredible journey. We're not just going to touch on meditation. You're going to learn about altered states. You may open your eyes now. For example, lucid dreaming. Can you awaken in your dream and be in a dream world that is even more rich than the physical world? That means in this dream world, if you sip a cup of hot chocolate, it is so real, so delicious. It is tastier and better than any other hot chocolate you've ever tried in the physical world. And you'll remember it just like in the physical world. But get this, guys zero calories. <laughs> that is lucid dreaming. But we're going to go beyond that. We're going to talk about arousal. How many of you here have ever had sex? <laughs> if you have, you know that when you are making love to someone, often when there's a deep connection, you are in an altered state. You feel different. You are experiencing the world in a different way. We create so many taboos around sex, but if you look at the great spiritual teachers, like for example, Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks in her Abraham Hicks books wrote that the number one experience that souls want when they enter the human body is the sexual experience, because it is the closest that a soul has to realizing it's a soul. We're going to talk about ecstasy. 
Then we're going to go even further, and we're going to talk about what if consciousness was so real that our consciousness can leave our physical body. This is sometimes referred to as out-of-body experiences or astral projection. So we're going to cover some pretty deep topics. Now here's the thing, though: these topics are real, but in the Western world, we often diminish them with the words "woo-woo." And I've had conversations with people here in this audience, and they're like, "You know, I never bothered to come to Mind Valley before because I thought this stuff is so woo-woo, and I'm an engineer, and I can't be around this." But the thing is, the world is changing. I just spoke at Google recently, and we spoke about meditation and deep connection and the space between human beings. I was just on the Microsoft podcast, the official podcast for Microsoft employees, and they wanted to interview me on crystals. <laughs> Think about that. Now I know nothing about crystals, right? But it was interesting that that was one of the questions I got. So why is it that so many of us are resistant to these ideas? Well, there's a philosophical concept by Ken Wilber called the pre-trans fallacy. Now, Ken Wilber says this. I'm going to try to explain it without flip charts. We live in an era of rationality. The rational mind is what is building the world today in many ways, or so it appears. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, it is about the rational mind. And as we enter this era of the rational mind, rationalists look back at other subcultures in the human experience, or pre-rational cultures, and consider them. Obsolete. So the rational mind, Wall Street banker, might look at the indigenous shaman in the Amazon rainforest who prays to the spirit gods and meditates and prays before he kills an animal, and say, "You know, I understand that that's your culture, that's cool, but there is no science behind that." So the rational mind looks at pre-rational ideas and considers them obsolete. Now, in many cases, this is actually good. Because a lot of these pre-rational ideas are insanely dumb. If you open the religious books of the world today, there's a lot of love and there's a lot of goodness in them. But there's also a lot of obsolete ideas. There are pre-rational ideas, for example, that suggest that if you're gay, you are somehow wrong in the eyes of God. There are pre-rational ideas that suggest that we are born a sinner. All of this is nonsense, of course, because it. Disconnects people. It actually takes away from the true essence of our soul, which is unity, which is connectedness. So the rational mind is not wrong here to look at pre-rational ideas and say this. A lot of this stuff, it's it's kind of magical thinking. But at the same time, there's a new emergent era in human culture, and that is called transrational. And transrational is the era we are going into now. Transrational says yes, okay, the magical thinking that was cool 2,000 years ago. That there are spiritual ideas that are powerful that we need to look at, and these spiritual ideas are increasingly being studied by science. So, what are transrational ideas? So, pre-rational is Moses parted the Red Sea. Pre-rational is that if I do a particular dance, I can make it rain. Rational is Silicon Valley. Rational is the microchip. Rational is Wall Street. Transrational is the new emergent field we are going into. And that's the field where we talk about spirit. We talk about lucid dreaming. We talk about meditation. We talk about mindfulness. We talk about the human mind's ability to heal itself with the placebo effect. All of these are being studied by science. Ten years ago, when I started teaching meditation, I was embarrassed to tell my friends. Today, 44 percent 
of Fortune 100 companies are offering meditation classes to their employees. Ten years ago, I couldn't talk about lucid dreaming. Today, when you go to a big Silicon Valley conference like Summit Series, they are lucid dreaming instructors at the conference. This is the realm of transrational. This is the realm where Ray Dalio, the number one hedge fund manager in the world, says that his superpower to make billions of dollars comes from meditation. Transrational is the realm where Tom Bilyeu, the founder of the billion-dollar company Quest Nutrition, those nutrition bars, and the YouTube show Impact Theory, when I ask him, where do your ideas come from? Because you've created a billion-dollar company. He says, well, it comes through a process I call thinkitation. And I said, what is that? And he goes, well, I meditate and I think. That's transrational. Now, the purely rational mind, because you exist at this level, you are unaware of the level above you, transrational, but you know the level below you, magical thinking or pre-rational. So the rational mind, the people who use words such as, this is too woo-woo, now this is too kumbaya, they're actually merging both because they cannot see the difference. They merge both, so they assume that lucid dreaming and meditation and astral projection are the same as the belief that Moses parted the Red Sea or that you are born a sinner or that gay people are wrong because some dude in the sky said so 2,000 years ago. That is called the pre-trans policy. It's a philosophical idea that explains why some people are afraid to embrace these concepts. But when you understand the fallacy, you start to see how what we're going to talk about is actually really, really, really rational. In fact, it is the ultimate truth. And this physical world is the one that is actually an illusion. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. Okay, so firstly, don't make the pre-trans policy. And feel free to Google it if you want to understand more of what that is about. So we're going to talk about an exploration of altered states. Stephen Kotler, who runs the Flow Genome Project in Silicon Valley, says, we live in a monophasic society. But Eastern and indigenous cultures are polyphasic. In other words, they don't just exist in the single waking state. They exist in multiple states. For example, the Achua people of the Amazon, they communicate in their dreams. So they literally use dream communication to talk across vast distances in the Amazon. And what happens is at 4 a.m. every day, the tribe wakes up, they come and they drink a particular tea together and they discuss their dreams. They talk about what they saw in their dreams. They talk about the messages that they heard. And it's astonishing because a couple of decades ago, a friend of mine, Lynn Twist, started seeing an Achua face in her dream. And she would see this like Amazonian man with red marks on his face, and he would come to her dream and ask her for help. And she couldn't understand what was going on. Lynn Twist is one of the biggest fundraisers in the world for charitable causes. She wrote a book called Soul of Money. One day she described this strange face that was popping into her dreams to a friend. And he goes, oh, those markings, that's the Achua people. So she got connected. She flew to visit the Achua people. And it turned out they had been summoning her. These people were using dreams to communicate with a Western woman to bring her into their village. Now, what happened next was pretty damn cool. Lynn Twist founded an organization called Pachamama, and together they were able to preserve some 10 million acres of Amazon rainforest land from logging. But it started because these Achua people were able to project their consciousness into her dream, know exactly who to pull, the number one fundraiser in the Western world, and bring her into their fold. How cool is that? I was there. In fact, the Mind Valley community raised a quarter million dollars for that cause. 
That's polyphasic. They're existing in two worlds: the physical world and the dream world. It's as real to them as your cup of coffee is to you. So, what do we know from a scientific basis? Right? We know that there are different brainwave states that we can measure in our head. Most of you right now are in the beta or waking frequency. Roughly 10% of you, statistically, would be at the alpha or restful state. You're kinda in this restful state if you are a frequent meditator. Maybe it's also genetic. Maybe you were born with a brain that's less prone to stress. Maybe you just had a wonderful conversation with a friend. Maybe someone just gave you a hug. You go into this restful, peaceful state. That's alpha. That's the level of restfulness, but also creativity. Now you can slow down your brain further to theta. Theta is a dreamy state. When you're at theta, it's hard to keep your head straight. So when you're meditating and you start nodding off like that, you're dipping into theta. Theta is interesting. Theta is where ideas come from. Theta is the realm of psychic ability. But there is a state even beyond that, and that is delta. Delta is what you're in when you're asleep. Now, what do some of the greatest minds in the world say about these states? This is where it gets pretty interesting. Thomas Edison was known for his naps, right? So he created some 2,300 patents in the Western world. One of the greatest inventors of all time, and Thomas Edison had this idea where he would get his best ideas from naps. So he would sleep with a metal ball in his hand, and as he drifted off into sleep, his hand would drop, the ball would drop, it would hit an iron plate below him, jolting him out of sleep, and in his mind there would be a new idea. And Edison. What he was doing was really—he called it efficient napping, I guess. But what he was doing was dipping from beta to theta, beta to theta. He was dipping in here to grab ideas and bring them out to the waking state. Two thousand three hundred patents. Now, was it just Edison? Well, the funny thing is, Edison had a famous assistant, Nikola Tesla, who was born not far from here. In fact, ten minutes away from where we are is a Tesla park. Nikola Tesla was born a very short distance from here. This is what Nikola Tesla had to say about these states. He said, "The mind is sharper and keener in seclusion and uninterrupted solitude. No big laboratory is needed in which to think. Originality thrives in seclusion, free of outside influences beating upon us to cripple the creative mind. Be alone. That is the secret of invention." Be alone. That is when ideas are born. This is why many of the earthly miracles have had their genesis in humble surroundings. When Tesla says "be alone," he's talking about going into yourself, listening to that still voice within. Now, Tesla also said this: "Instinct is something which transcends knowledge. We have undoubtedly certain finer fibers that enable us to perceive truth when logical deduction." Or any other willful effort of the brain is futile. Tesla did not have access to an electroencephalograph machine or EEG machine to measure brain waves, but this is what Tesla was doing. He was able to access these states. In fact, one of Tesla's most famous quotes is this: "My brain is only a receiver. In the universe, there is a core from which we obtain knowledge, strength, and inspiration. Your brain." Is only a receiver. So what if your brain is like a radio and it can tune in to other frequencies? This is what we're going to talk about, and you're going to learn a couple of tools. How are you guys interested in this?、Yes. Awesome. So I spend a lot of time going and working with neuroscientists to hack my brain. 
Just like I go to a gym to work out, I also go to these deep, highly expensive neurotraining facilities to train my brain so that I can willfully go into these different states. I go into theta regularly for ideas, and I go into delta, delta is this level, I go into delta to bend reality. What is also being observed right now is that people who are able to get to the delta level tend to be very lucky. They tend to be billionaires, they tend to be very creative, they tend to be lucky. It's like the universe has their back and their thoughts become reality fast. This is also being studied. So I actually am one of five people in the world who do something called delta training. And delta training is basically where you train your brain to be able to create ripples in time and space and influence reality. So I do that. And I want to show you a little bit of what that looks like. This is me at one of the neurotraining facilities. So these machines actually exist. Now, this type of training is not cheap. It's bloody expensive. Neuroscientists are working with you. And that's a 3D printed helmet that's influencing the brain. But what I'm going to try to teach you here are some ways you can access these states on your own. So the first thing to understand is meditation. What happens when we meditate? And what exactly is meditation? So I want to share with you a secret. Meditation is often misunderstood in the Western world because we think it's about clearing your mind, focusing on your breath, getting very peaceful. And that's true. That's getting into alpha. That's relaxation. But you can go way deeper. You can be able to go into deeper levels of meditation to source ideas, to source inspiration. So, for example, when I wrote The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, it took me a long time to get chapter one ready. It took me almost three years to finish chapter one. Chapter nine of the book, which was called Live Your Quest, I wrote in eight hours flat. The original chapter nine was something I wasn't happy with. I had five days to submit my book to my editor. And I woke up one day before Christmas and I realized, gosh, I freaking hate chapter nine. And all of a sudden, I feel this idea form in my head. And I sat down for eight hours and retyped and rewrote the entire chapter nine from scratch. The book went to print. And two years later, a documentary filmmaker came to me and said, hey, I want to make a documentary about your ideas. And they picked chapter nine. Chapter nine of that book became the Live Your Quest documentary, which got nominated for an Emmy Award. But it was all written and conceived in eight hours. Now, what was going on there? I had inadvertently tapped into certain altered states to download the information. These states are accessible to all of us. What consciousness ability one person might have, we all have, because we're all made of the same stuff. The only difference is we might be unaware that it's within us, or we might have beliefs that block it. So there's been a ton of research in meditation recently, and what the research is showing is still to be determined because look at this, right? You'll notice that publication count on scientific studies for meditation, this is from the book Altered Traits, is exponential. And a lot of these publications are happening only in the last 10 years. So when people say, you know, meditation is fluff or I don't get meditation, it's only because we are entering a really new era. When I say we're entering the transrational era of humanity, this is what I mean. Look at that exponential curve, and it's going to continue rising 2030 and beyond. At that point, I believe, we'll be looking beyond just meditation, but at lucid dreaming, astral projection, all of these other beautiful abilities. So we're going to go do an exploration now on altered states, and we're going to start with relaxation. Now, when you go into relaxation, what's happening is you are 
reducing your brainwave frequency from beta to alpha. Alpha is the frequency of relaxation. Studies show that when you get to alpha, many remarkable things happen. Your body seems to heal itself. Stress disappears. Anxiety reduces. And so there are incredible beneficial effects on the body. There are some now at this point, 14,000 studies, 14,000 studies that show that meditation can have hugely beneficial impact on health. But there's more. When you get to these alpha states, you are also a source of creativity. You can thinkitate, to use Tom Bilyeu's word. You can ask the question and listen to your heart and see what emerges. Now, what I'd like to do now is play for you a sound that simulates the alpha frequency. So the alpha frequency, again, is around 7 to 14 cycles per second. That's how your brain is beating. And this is what it looks like if you could listen to your own head. Now we can go slower. So we can go from where we are now to the realm of theta. Theta is where intuition comes in. Theta is where Tesla and Edison, it's what they spoke about. This is what the theta frequency sounds like. This is what your brain sounds like when it dips into theta. Notice it's about half the speed. Let's play with theta. Okay, so we're going to keep this frequency playing, and I'm going to guide you into a really, really, really deep meditative experience now. Are you guys ready? Now, if you fall asleep, does that mean you fail? No, fine, just, you know, do whatever your body tells you to do. There is no failure here, only judgment. I will judge you if I see you fall asleep in front of my presentation. So... What's going to happen is I'm going to guide you using a, a guided meditation protocol from the late Jose Silva, the meditation pioneer who died in 1999. We're going to dim the lights. We're going to have the theta frequency playing. Can we lower the frequency a bit? Okay, now this, and as you listen to this, learn it because it's very powerful. And this is a head-to-toe relaxation. We're going to slowly by slowly have you focus on your parts of your body and guide yourself into an ultra deep meditation. And when you get to ultra deep, when you get to that final level, I'm going to give you a space to ask yourself anything you want to ask. And here's how you're going to do it. You're going to speak to your heart. This is a Sonia Choquette technique. So you're going to ask a question. Should I work on this book? And then you're going to respond with my heart and my heart says, and whatever comes up. And my heart says, and whatever comes up, and my heart says. You're going to do it 10 times, okay? That's Sonia's technique. So you might also say, should I take this job? Should I be with this person? Should I move to this country? Anything where the complexity of your decision is so deep, your pure logical mind can't work it out. So we're going to guide you to data, and then you're going to think of the question. In fact, let's think of the question now. Think of your question now. You're going to come back to the question, and you're going to ask the word, and my heart says, 10 times. Okay? And I'll guide you through this. Now, at this point, feel free to get into a comfortable position. Close your eyes. And listen to my voice. We're going to start by having you concentrate your sense of awareness on your scalp. The skin that covers your head. 
I want you to imagine as if you can detect a fine vibration, a tingling sensation, a feeling of warmth caused by your blood circulation. An easy way to bring your awareness to your scalp is to imagine as if someone has placed a warm, moist washcloth on your head. Feel that tingly sensation on your scalp. Now completely release and relax all tensions and ligament pressures from this part of your head and place it in a deep state of relaxation that will grow deeper as we continue. Now concentrate your sense of awareness on your forehead, the skin that covers your forehead. You will detect a fine vibration, a tingling sensation, a feeling of warmth caused by circulation. Now release and completely relax all tensions and ligament pressures from this part of your head and place it in a deep state of relaxation that will grow deeper as we continue. Now concentrate your sense of awareness on your eyelids and the tissue surrounding your eyes. You will detect a fine vibration, a tingling sensation, a feeling of warmth caused by circulation. Now release and completely relax all tensions and ligament pressures from this part of your head and place it in a deep state of relaxation that will grow deeper as we continue. Concentrate your sense of awareness on your face, the skin covering your cheeks. You will detect a fine vibration, a tingling sensation, a feeling of warmth caused by circulation. Now release and completely relax all tensions and ligament pressures from this part of your head and place it in a deep state of relaxation that will grow deeper as we continue. Concentrate on the outer portion of your throat, the skin covering your throat area. You will detect a fine vibration, a tingling sensation, a feeling of warmth caused by circulation. Now release and completely relax all tensions and ligament pressures from this part of your body and place it in a deep state of relaxation that will grow deeper as we continue. Concentrate within the throat area. Relax all tensions and ligament pressures from this part of your body and place it in a deep state of relaxation, going deeper and deeper every time. Concentrate on your shoulders. Feel your clothing in contact with your body. Feel the skin and the vibration of the skin covering this part of your body. Relax all tensions and ligament pressures and place your shoulders in a deep state of relaxation, going deeper and deeper every time. Concentrate on your chest. Feel your clothing in contact with this part of your body. Feel the skin and the vibration of your skin covering your chest. Relax all tensions and ligament pressures and place your chest in a deep state of relaxation, going deeper and deeper every time. Concentrate within the chest area. Relax all organs, relax all glands, relax all tissues including the cells themselves and cause them to function in a rhythmic, healthy manner. Concentrate on your abdomen. Feel the clothing in contact with this part of your body. Feel the skin and the vibration of your skin covering your abdomen. Relax all tensions and ligament pressures and place your abdomen in a deep state of relaxation, going deeper and deeper every time. Concentrate within the abdominal area. Relax all organs, relax all glands, relax all tissues, including the cells themselves, and cause them to function in a rhythmic, healthy manner. Concentrate on your thighs. Feel your clothing in contact with this part of your body. 
Feel the skin and the vibration of your skin covering your thighs. Relax all tensions and ligament pressures and place your thighs in a deep state of relaxation, going deeper and deeper every time. Sense the vibrations at the bones within the thighs. By now, these vibrations should be easily detectable. Concentrate on your knees. Feel the skin and the vibration of your skin covering the knees. Relax all tensions and ligament pressures and place your knees in a deep state of relaxation, going deeper and deeper every time. Concentrate on your calves. Feel the skin and the vibration of the skin covering your calves. Relax all tensions and ligament pressures and place these parts of your body in a deep state of relaxation, going deeper and deeper every time. To enter a deeper, healthier level of mind, concentrate on your toes. Enter a deeper, healthier level of mind. To enter a deeper, healthier level of mind, concentrate on the soles of your feet. Enter a deeper, healthier level of mind. To enter a deeper, healthier level of mind, concentrate on the heels of your feet. Enter a deeper, healthier level of mind. Now cause your feet to feel as though they do not belong to your body. Feel your feet as though they do not belong to your body. Your feet feel as though they do not belong to your body. Your feet, ankles, calves, and knees feel as though they do not belong to your body. Your feet, ankles, calves, knees, thighs, waist, shoulders, arms, and hands feel as though they do not belong to your body. You are now at a deeper, healthier level of mind, deeper than before. You are now at the theta level of mind, ready to tap into intuitive intelligence to help you make better decisions in life. At this point, I want you to bring back to mind the question that you had for your soul, the question that you had for your heart. Mentally ask your heart this question. Do so now. You will now tap into your heart to bring forth an intuitive response. Tell yourself mentally, and my heart says, and then embrace whatever thought comes to mind. Again for the second time, and my heart says, what further clarity or thought comes to mind? And my heart says. And my heart says. And my heart says. Simply listen. Your mind will retain and remember the information being received here today. And my heart says. 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 
says. I will give you a moment to digest the answer. To mentally make a note of that answer. I will now bring you out of this state so you can come back to the waking state or to a light alpha state and to be able to journal or write down whatever message you received. I'm going to count gently from one to five. At the count of five, you will be wide awake, feeling fine and in perfect health, feeling amazing, feeling better than before. One, two, three, coming out gently now. Four, five, eyes open, wide awake, feeling fine and in perfect health, feeling better than before. Please lower the sound. Now take a moment, write down whatever message you received. Feel free to type it in your phone or on your journal. So is there evidence that this works? Let's talk to the rational mind, right? So firstly, intuition feels like guessing. It's the first thought that comes to your head that's usually the right one. When you wait or you pause or you question that thought, your filter system comes in, your beliefs, your rituals, your culture, your self-doubt, your self-esteem, your pride, your ego, and that disrupts the purity of that thought. For example, studies show that people, when they're buying a car, if they decide like what car they want and they just go and buy it, versus if they do a day of research and look at all the attributes of the different cars and their lifestyle and then make a purchase, can you guess which one three months later or six months later is more satisfied with their purchase? The impulse purchase or the research purchase? Impulse, it's strange, but the impulse is often the first one. In my case as well, my best ideas come during meditation, not when I'm in the waking state. The more you practice, the more you learn discernment to understand an emotion versus an intuitive impulse. So it's something that you want to practice, but you have the tool that head to toe relaxation, you do not need my voice guiding you. You know the parts of your body. You can mentally relax yourself. You can also listen to the Ombana app. In fact, to make it easy for you guys, I'll take that meditation, I'll put it on the new Ombana app that launches next month. You can download it and you can listen to it, okay? Now, let's go to another phenomenon in terms of brainwaves. And this one gets a little bit bizarre. But remember, it's not woo-woo. If you think don't fall for the pre-trans policy, this one is about having adventures in bed, in your head. So, on stage, I'm going to call up Charlie Morley, lucid dreaming instructor. Charlie, come up on stage. What do you think of this guy? He's brilliant, eh? Give a yes for vision. Yeah. Woo. So, I saw Charlie on stage in New York at a show called The Conscious Is Show by Mia Lux, who's actually one of our A-Festers, and he was brilliant. And he opened me up to all of these ideas on lucid dreaming, and he made it so fun and so practical. And so what I wanted to do was bring Charlie here. I actually asked him to fly down to Pula, Croatia. He said yes, and Charlie is going to talk to you about lucid dreaming. It's not as difficult as what you think it is. Charlie, take it away. Brilliant. Okay, so first of all, let's work with our definitions. What is a lucid dream? This is the interactive bit. Anyone got a nice definition? What is a lucid dream? Yes. So I'll repeat, because Katarina didn't have a mic. What Katarina said is, it's when in your dream you realize you're dreaming so you can take the steering wheel of your dream. Yeah. So this is the experience of being sound asleep, 
But in the sleep state, the REM rapid eye movement dream state, self-reflective awareness becomes reactivated. Basically, you're sound asleep and you go, oh, wow, this is all a dream. Who here has had that experience? Show of hands. Okay, brilliant. Maybe for those who didn't raise their hand or for those who did, has anyone ever had a nightmare where in the nightmare they've gone, I've got to wake up, I've got to wake up. Ever had that? Okay, that was a lucid dream too. The moment you acknowledged there was a place to wake up to, you had indirectly acknowledged you were dreaming. So little footnote here, if you're ever lucky enough to get lucid in a nightmare again, don't wake up. Every time you wake yourself from a nightmare, the unintegrated trauma that has led to the creation of the nightmare remains unintegrated. This is why our nightmares recur. Why don't our happy dreams recur? That dream where we're having a dinner date with Tom Cruise, your favorite celeb, right? We only had that once. But the scary dream, that thing that happened, that keeps coming back. Because we keep waking ourselves, we keep rejecting the energy, and so the energy has to come back. So if you can be lucid in your nightmare, and this is the work that I do with army veterans and with the military, if we can train people to become lucid in their nightmares, they can integrate trauma at a very deep level. So lucid dreaming's for real. You know, we've had the neuroscience on this since the 70s. Once you become lucid, the prefrontal cortex becomes activated, and once that is activated, neuroplasticity becomes engaged. So I'm sure you've heard of this, neurons that fire together, wire together. I mean, Vision's really into this stuff, right? In a normal, non-lucid dream, neuroplasticity ain't engaged. But once you become lucid and that front part of the brain reactivates, neuroplasticity becomes engaged, which means you can learn in your lucid dreams. You can get better at stuff in your lucid dreams. You can reprogram your brain while you sleep. And this is real. So this means you can practice martial arts or basketball or skateboarding in your lucid dream. What's the evidence for this? Absolutely. Well, the last study, 2019 study, I was actually part of this. They got 25 lucid dreamers who are also good at martial arts. And we had to go into the lucid dream state and practice a certain kick sequence, a martial arts kick sequence. And then in the waking state, they tested us to see who got better at martial arts by training in their lucid dream. 81.3% of the participants got better at martial arts by training in their lucid dream. I've got to admit, embarrassingly though, dude, I was part of the 19% that didn't get better, <laughs> which is super embarrassing, but 81.3% got better by training in their dreams. This is real. We can see this at a neurological level. You told me that crazy story of how you decided to go into lucid dreaming at the age of 16. Tell the audience, and you can be inappropriate here. I what think I know you... what story he wants. Okay, so I actually got first into lucid dreaming when I was 11. For my 12th birthday, I asked for this thing called a Nova Dreamer, which is like this electronic sleep mask that's supposed to give you lucid dreams. But anyway, I didn't get that for my 12th birthday. So then I kind of go back to sleep a little bit. When I'm 15, 16, I get back into lucid dreaming. I buy these books. I teach myself how to do it. Now, a lucid dream is access to a virtual reality simulation made of your own psychology. In the lucid dream, you know your body's asleep in bed. You know you're in a huge three-dimensional projection of your own mind. And at 16 years old, you can imagine what I use that three-dimensional projection of my mind to do. A lot of sex and a lot of skateboarding. Now, interestingly, I got pretty good at skateboarding, not so much the other thing. (laughs) So that brain networking was working. Then a couple of years later, I get into Buddhism. I ended up living in a Buddhist temple for eight years, training with Buddhist masters for 15 years of the Tibetan tradition. And they start talking about this thing, dream yoga. And I say, what's dream yoga? And they say, it's the spiritual practice of lucid dreaming. And I'm thinking... Lucid dreaming ain't spiritual, man. I know what I use it for, you know, for the last two years. And this monk goes, oh, you can lucid dream? What do you use your lucid dreams for, Charlie? And I was so embarrassed. I was like, um, uh, skateboarding mainly, skateboarding. You know, I didn't want to say sex. And then I asked the monk, well, what do you guys use it for? Why in Tibetan Buddhism has lucid dreaming been used for over a thousand years? And I had this penny drop moment. He said, we use lucid dreaming to prepare for the moments of our death. 
We use lucid dreaming to learn about the manifestation possibilities of reality. We use lucid dreaming to do our spiritual practice while we sleep. And it was then that I started working with the Buddhist lamas and learning that it was more than sex and skateboarding. So you had this incredible story I heard you share on stage in New York about how you would have these nightmares, these recurring nightmares about this murderous dwarf. <laughs> He just wants all the best stories. I'm going to give it to you. Okay, this one is actually quite deep. The moment that I first found out it was more than sex and skateboarding. When I was 17 years old, I was really wild. Before Buddhism, I was really wild. You know, drugs and gangs and all this kind of stuff. And I actually had a drugs overdose when I was 17 and a full-on near-death experience, you know, and it wasn't a pretty one with angels. It was really traumatic. And after that near-death experience, I had really terrible nightmares. And it was getting to the stage where they happened on a weekly basis, month after month after month. And every time in these nightmares, this little dwarf would appear, and he represented death for some reason. When he appeared in the dream, that meant I was still in the drugs overdose, I was still in the near-death experience. And I'd read in these books that, as well as sex and skateboarding, you can use lucid dreaming for nightmare integration. Mm -hmm. That if you could become lucid within the dream and know I'm not really in this traumatic experience, I'm simply dreaming about it. That creates a deconditioning process in the mind and at a neurological level can allow the trauma to pass through the mind. So three or four times I did manage to get lucid when the dwarf appeared, but it was just too scary, man. I just had to bail. I had to wait. Wake up, wake up, wake up. But on the fourth or fifth time, I became lucid and the little dwarf appeared and I knew, okay, I'm safe. I'm asleep in bed right now, the safest place I can be. He is simply a psychological representation of trauma. So I turned to the dwarf and I said, okay, I get it. I get it. It's a dream. And his face changed. He went, hmm. And then he went like this, ta-da. And behind him, like theater curtains opened. Behind the theater curtains was a 17-year-old view of paradise. Now, I'm embarrassed to say that the 17-year-old view of paradise was a big skateboard ramp. And on the top of the skateboard ramp were girls in bikinis smoking joints. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ridiculous. But at that point, I knew in the dream I had integrated that trauma. And the nightmare stopped. And now, you know, 15 years later, I'm now working with military veterans to help them with the nightmares they have when they come back from Iraq and Afghanistan. And that's where I learned it myself, and that's how I know this stuff can work. But of course, it's not just trauma. You can use it for other brilliant neurotraining things. So let's get to the technique. How do we learn how to lucid dream? There was this beautiful technique with the hands that you shared on stage in New York, and a beautiful exercise to help us remember our dreams. Absolutely. Let's go into that. So let's learn a few things, right? Just before this, let's do a little bit more on the why, just so you know why we're going to be doing this. Once you're in a lucid dream, you are conscious in the unconscious. This state is similar to one of hypnotherapy, but because you can't get more unconscious than asleep, the depths you can go in the lucid dream are even more profound. So you can use lucid dreaming for working with addictions, for working with confidence issues, working with trauma, asking big questions, what should I do in my life? What career path should I take? And also simply exploring the fact that your mind can create a reality as real as this, but one in which you know it is a creation of the mind, which asks you to question this reality, asks you to see if I can manifest that in the lucid dream, perhaps I can manifest this now. Perhaps I can live my dream while I'm awake. And this is what we call lucid living. But how to get there? Okay, so. One of the techniques that Vishen's talking about here is a hand check, which some of you might have come across if you've looked at the Carlos Castaneda work, where through the day, you look at your hand and you ask yourself, am I dreaming right now? And you have the expectation that if I was dreaming, my hand would change when I flip it. So you look at the hand, flip it, and flip it back. With the expectation, if I'm dreaming, my hand will change. You can even pull your finger with the expectation that if I'm dreaming, the finger will elongate. 
Now, you can do that all you like in the daytime. Your hand ain't going to change, your finger ain't going to elongate, unless you're on ayahuasca or some sort of crazy trip. But if you do that enough times in the daytime, you will eventually dream about doing it. You spend your whole day packing boxes. What do you dream about at night? Packing boxes. Spend your whole day asking, could this be a dream? And checking with the expectation that the hand will change, eventually you'll dream about doing that. In the dream, the hand will change, the finger will elongate. Oh, wow, I'm definitely dreaming. So that's one technique. The other one I want to share before the meditation, if it's okay, is the three Ds. So the three Ds. The first one, dream recall. Who here regularly remembers their dreams? Okay, brilliant. Who here sometimes struggles to remember their dreams? Yeah. <laughs> Who here regularly keeps a dream diary? Who here is sometimes too lazy to keep their dream diary? Yeah, my hand <laughs> goes up too. Okay, so the first two steps are training your mind to remember your dreams. A lot of people say, you know, I don't remember my dreams. And I say, when did you last try? And they look at me like it's a, a trick question. I say, no, when did you last try? So tonight, fall asleep trying to remember your dreams. This is the affirmation I want you to do. As you fall into sleep tonight, you will pass through a state called the hypnagogic state. The hypnagogic state is the transitional state of mind between wakefulness and sleep. The brainwaves are alpha and deep theta. These are the same brainwaves of hypnosis. When you're in that hypnotic state of mind as you fall asleep, I want you to recite over and over, tonight I remember my dreams. I have excellent dream recall. Tonight I remember my dreams. I have excellent dream recall. So tonight when you fall asleep, you're in that hypnotic state. As you fall asleep, be reciting that over and over. The Tibetan Buddhists would say 21 times. How do you count it? You might have one of these prayer beads or just count on your fingers. Essentially, two or three minutes as you fall asleep with that hypnotic induction. Stage two, the second D, keeping a dream diary. The reason I ask you to write down your dreams is not so much for dream interpretation, although that can be great. The reason I ask you to write down your dreams is to spot patterns. Lucid dreaming is based on being in a dream and noticing, hang on, that's dreamlike. That can't happen in the waking state. I must be dreaming. So to have that realization, you have to get to know your dreams really well. So write down your dreams every morning. If you wake up to pee in the middle of the night and you've had the epic dream, you think, I'm never going to forget this, and you know it's gone in the morning, even write down your dreams in the middle of the night. On the retreats I run, I wake people four times a night uh, to ask them to write down their dreams. So that's the second step. Write down your dreams as a way to bring the unconscious process into the conscious mind. And step three, dream signs. The reason we keep the dream diary are to spot dream signs. This is the term given for anything within the dream that can indicate you're definitely dreaming. You keep a dream diary for a week, you're going to start to see patterns. Oh, I often dream of my dead grandma. Or I often dream of being back in the house where I grew up as a kid. Or I often dream of being back at school, whereas now I'm an adult. Once you start to spot those patterns, then you fall asleep saying, if between now and breakfast I see my dead grandma, I must be dreaming. If between now and breakfast I'm back at school, I must be dreaming. You fall asleep with that hypnotic affirmation. And then next time your dead grandma or your back at school, whatever comes into your dream happens, something clicks and you go, wow, I'm dreaming. So those are your first three basic techniques. I've written three books about it too, so you can check those out. Those will set you up for tonight, though. So first thing you want to do is to get to the dream recall stage. Step one, before going to bed, repeat the mantra. Tonight, I remember my dreams. I have excellent dream recall. Let's try that. Tonight, I remember my dreams. I have excellent dream recall. Number two, as soon as you wake up, even if you wake up because the air conditioner is not working well or you need to pee, Take out your dream journal and write down what you remember because you are going to forget it in the morning. So write it down immediately. And the third thing 
is take note of trends, of recurring patterns. Because when you do that, what's going to happen is the next time that recurring pattern, maybe it's your deceased grandma, comes to you in a dream, something clicks and you wake up within the dream. It's interesting, but that's how it works. Now, speaking of recurring patterns, let's go to the hand technique, right? So a lot of Charlie's students write the word I am on their hand over here. Charlie even sells a little tattoo for that, temporary tattoo. And if you want to get into lucid dreaming, what you want to do is you want to practice. Every time you see something weird happening in the world, like you might be, I don't know, walking here in Pula, and then you see a group of Mind Valley people doing a synchronized dance on the middle of the street, which is probably going to happen like tomorrow. You'd reach out your hands and you just do this. And what you're doing is you're just making sure that this is reality. Okay? With that expectation that if you were dreaming, the hand would change. Right. So ask yourself, am I dreaming? Now, as you start doing that anywhere from around five to ten times a day, you are going to do that in your dream at one point. And in that particular dream, when you flip your hands around, you're going to see something weird. You might have a sixth finger. It might be a lion paw. You might see Charlie's face in the palm of your hand. What a nightmare. And that's going to trigger something and you wake up within the dream. And then you battle dwarfs and stuff. Yeah, integrate your trauma, do what you like. You know, it's, it's a natural state of hypnosis. So anything you can treat through hypnotherapy, you can also work with through lucid dreaming. Now, there was something else you shared. You said that sometimes when you wake up in a lucid dream, you have this rich 3D world, but you will notice a figure looking at you. Explain what these figures Oh, represent. The, uh, the dream guides. The dream guides, yeah. yes. So my view is that in a lucid dream, 99% of everything is your mind. It is your psychology. In astral projection, that's flipped. 99% of everything is objective reality. But in a lucid dream, 99% of everything is you, right? But there's a crucial 1% made up of archetypes of the collective unconscious, awakened beings who have the ability to enter your dream, just like the story Vision told earlier with the Pachamama Alliance. And often dead relatives, blood relatives, seem to have the ability to appear in your dreams too. If you're in a lucid dream, there may be a dream character looking at you, maybe smiling, looking helpful. They may well be a dream guide. Now, that dream guide might be simply an aspect of your psychology that is helpful, or if you're into it, it could even be an aspect of the collective conscious that has come in to offer you teachings or to offer you advice. If you see one of those, make friends with them. I mean, essentially, make friends with everything in the lucid dream. If you get lucid tonight and you think, oh, I can't remember all the stuff he said, run around the lucid dream and hug everything. Really, <laughs> hug the people, hug the visions, hug the floor, hug the carpet, because everything's you. So if you run around hugging and showing love to your internal environment, you are going to wake up feeling amazing. And remember, you're creating these neural pathways towards self-love and self-compassion. So never commit violence to anything in a lucid dream. Show love to everything in a lucid dream. Even if it's something scary, even if it's something monstrous, that's the monstrous part of you. That's the trauma, that's the fear, that's the split-off parts of you. So fighting them will do nothing good, mm. but loving them will do everything good. Amazing, Charlie. Now, you're going to lead us through an exercise. How yeah. long will that take? Five minutes. Great, that's let's okay. do this. You guys ready to do a lucid dreaming exercise with Charlie? So explain what you're going to do. Okay, guys, so this is a meditation exercise set to music. I'll guide you through it. You cannot get it wrong. What I'm going to ask you to do is, first of all, show gratitude. Now, you may think, what's this gratitude stuff got to do with lucid dreaming? Essentially, I'm going to guide you into a state of gratitude where you are showing love to your body, showing love to your mind, and then showing love to your dreamer. By dreamer, what I refer to is the part of the unconscious mind that creates and plays out our dreams. Our dreams are not random. They have plot. They have narrative. There's some intelligence that Carl Jung referred to as the conscious unconscious that creates those narratives. We are going to speak 
to the dreamer, and we are going to make a request. That request could be, may I remember my dreams tonight? It could be, may I have a lucid dream tonight? It could be, may I have an out-of-body experience tonight? You are going to make your request, but if we just make the request in normal consciousness, maybe it'll get through, maybe it won't. If you infuse your body, your mind, your consciousness with gratitude, that creates a direct line to the dreamer, because gratitude short-circuits the functioning of the egoic sense of self. The ego cannot function with ingratitude. It's like I don't get what this is, so it bails. So to get the ego out of the way a little bit, we put ourselves into deep gratitude. Sometimes that can be quite moving. So if you feel a movement of energy, just allow it to come. Don't block your tears, just like we don't block our smiles. And then right at the end, I'll ask you: make a request to your dreamer. And that is when silently in your own mind you would say, "Tonight may I have a lucid dream, or tonight may I have an out-of-body experience, or tonight may I remember my dreams." Whatever that request is. We cool with that? Perfect. Okay. So just take a moment to make yourself totally comfortable. You can sit with your eyes open or closed. Either is totally fine. Breathing through the nose or the mouth. Either is totally fine. Okay. If we could have the music playing, please. Just sitting. Just breathing. Feeling the support of the space. Feeling the support of those around you. Feeling the support of the universe. You are loved. I want you to bring your attention into your feet and your legs. Bring your mind into your feet and your legs. Really feel into your feet and your legs. And take a moment to consider the amazing job that your feet and your legs do, allowing you to stand, to walk, to run, to dance. Your feet and your legs are amazing. But when did you last say thank you to them? In your own way, in your own mind, say thank you to your feet and your legs now. Expanding your awareness now to include your hands and your arms. Considering the amazing job that your hands and your arms do, allowing you to touch, to lift, to hug, your hands and your arms are amazing. Allowing your awareness now to expand into the core of your body, your digestive system, your respiratory system, your ever-beating heart. When did you last say thank you to all of these? Say thank you to your body now. Then allowing your awareness to spread from the tips of your toes to the crown of your head, your entire body and your awareness now. Consider the amazing miracle of your body. Your body is always trying its best. However broken or ill it may seem, it is always trying its best. Say thank you to your body now. And with gratitude to our body, we move even deeper. We come into an awareness of our mind, this creator of reality, this filter of experience, this amazing virtual reality simulation. Say thank you to your mind. Show gratitude to your mind. And now we move even deeper. 
we tune into our dreamer, the part of our mind that creates and plays out our dreams. Tune into your dreamer. And we say thank you for the nightmares that offer such learning. Thank you for the lucid dreams that offer such opportunity. Thank you for all the dreams that allow us to see ourselves clearly. Take a moment to say thank you to your dreamer now. And with gratitude to our body, gratitude to our mind, gratitude to our dreamer, we are now in a perfect place to make our request. In your own way, in your own mind, prepare to make your request to your dreamer, asking for a lucid dream, asking for a clear dream, asking for healing. Make your request to your dreamer now. Feel your dreamer respond. Your question is heard. Your request is witnessed. Your dreamer responds with love. Every night when we sleep, our dreamer is writing us a message. May we start listening to these messages. May we start opening up to our dreams where we start living lucidly in both our dream life and our waking life for the benefit of all beings. More awake, more aware, more kind. And then allowing your eyes to open if they were closed, knowing that we've made a profound request to the part of our mind that creates and plays out our dreams, and being sure that now we have made that request that we stay tuned in tonight, that we are sure to write down our dreams in the morning and that we are sure to pay homage to that powerful spiritual place of the dream world. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. That was beautiful. Please give a big round of applause to Charlie Morley. What's the title of your book? My first book is called Dreams of Awakening. You can find it on Amazon and bookshops and all of that. Dreams of Awakening. Thank you. So as we come to the final half hour of this presentation on Altered States, I'm going to bring up two additional guests. And our next guest is going to talk about ecstasis. This is the altered state that you go in during moments of lovemaking. Please give a round of applause to Helena Khodova. Hi, Helena. Hi, hi. Welcome. Hi, darling. Many of you may have heard Helena about a month ago on the Mind Valley podcast talking about sacred sexuality. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the big question. Why is it that we go into these altered states during these moments of deep connection with another human being? What is going on in those situations? Well, what's going on is that we are tapping into our superpower. We are tapping into something what is absolutely natural to us and we are tapping into something what we are all looking outside of us. We are all searching for these clues and ideas of others while we are carrying this superpower in our sexual center. And what happens when we enter into altered state of consciousness during lovemaking is a few things. First, 
our brain stops working. It just goes stupid. Because our cortex, which controls our thoughts and mind and logistics, just turns off. And we tap into the primal brain. And that's where we can really get into this trance-like states. And in those trance-like states happens all the magic. So the word ecstasy, actually, if you look at the definition, means a trance-like state of heightened emotion. Yes. What happened next is that in those states, we can manifest, we can revitalize, we can send healing, we can harness this energy. That's the superpower I'm talking about. So that is the interesting bit. How do we manifest or heal when we are in these trance-like states during lovemaking? With awareness, with sending awareness to what you want to do. Sacred sexuality is based on idea that it's conscious sexuality, that you are not just going after watching TV, go have sex and go sleep, but you're entering the union with the partner to really do some magic. And next part, which is interesting, is that it's the only time when we are coming from the duality into unity in this trance-like state. We are becoming formless. And how we can make it happen is pleasure. Through the arousal, through the pleasure, through the sexual energy. When we are in the high state of sexual energy and the pleasure and the brain turns off, we can actually manifest and become one. We are becoming that unity. We are becoming that what we are all so desire. It's our closest real-world experience to unity. So as we're going into this union, mm. right? You mentioned healing. Yeah. And I know you've had experiences of healing yes. during these pleasurable states. What is going on in our head? What do we need to think about or focus on to generate that healing energy? Well, you don't think much because you remember right. your brain is stupid in the moment. That's why it's really important to talk about babies and the other stuff before. <laughs> Because it's a creative energy. We're going to create. We're right. going to create whatever we put our intention in it. So it's the intention. What do you entering so the lovemaking session? So we bring to mind an intention exactly. while we're lovemaking. Exactly. And it's that highest state of pleasure. It's the highest state of moment when you actually connect the sexual arousal, the sexual energy, the pleasure with our heart because we love when we are with somebody we really deeply love, our energetic body connects and the unity happens. And when you connect the trance-like state, you already have three points which you can manifest by itself. And now you are connecting it together. And that's the sex magic. So define this concept, yep. sex magic. Well, that's altered state of consciousness just told in the scientific, the Silicon Valley way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to get an idea of how to do this. Okay. So let's say. Well, we can actually do it if you want. On stage here. Yeah, here, right here. Yeah. Can we <laughs> all now, together? <laughs> now, can we do this during self-pleasure, or does it only happen with a partner? I'll share a story which is really amazing. Yes, please do. Right now, I'm living my dream. About two months ago, I had this intention. I know I'm here to share my message, my purpose, which is 
to reclaim our sacredness, reclaim sacredness in our sexuality, to really own our superpowers, not just powers, superpowers. That's my purpose in my life. And I had the intention, I saw a group of people and I was standing on the stage and I was talking to them. And I imagined I am in that moment. I could see your faces, I could hear the voices, I could feel that excitement and I, I could feel that pleasure which was coming from me being in my purpose, doing what I'm here to do. And that same night I dreamt about you. It wasn't sexual, don't worry. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know Vishen. I had no idea. I followed Manvali on Instagram, so I had a clue, but why am I dreaming about Vishen? Jesus Christ. Two days later, my friend introduced me to Vishen. And a week later, we did podcast. Two days later, you walked into a meeting, and this particular guy who you were a friend with asked yeah. you if you'd heard of me. Yes, and he said, because we were talking about sacred sexuality, he said, you have to connect with Vishen. I think that's a... You two right. need to meet. And you know how it all started? That vision I had that you're sitting, I was self-pleasuring. Sorry. We're going to go really deep today. And I really put intention. This is what I want. This is what is something I know. So you manifested purpose. this moment here. Yeah. <laughs> I did. While, It's a true story too. While self-pleasuring yourself. Yep. yep. And that night I entered your dreams. Yes. And two days later you got connected to me and now you're on stage. I am. That's true. Sorry. I'm still trying to process that. We are not going to go much more into the details, but... Let's go back to what is that thought process? If you can give us some, some idea, because I think a lot of people really would find It's not really thought. It's a feeling. It's not a, a thought. Okay. It's a feeling. So that, that If you itself want something, is, is, is an interesting nuance. It's yes. a feeling. It's a feeling because your brain doesn't work. You can't think. Right. So you have to go into the feeling before the lovemaking starts. So mm -hmm. you are in the feeling, right? This is what I want. Do you want to try this? Yes. Do you okay. want to learn sex magic? Yes. All right. I'm just going to take Wait, my do shoes we keep our clothes on? I, I'm yeah. not sure what... There will be, there will be this no was not planned. We are not going to get aroused that much. <laughs> this was... Okay. This, can yeah. we do it? Yes, yes. Are, are you how, feeling long, how long will it take? It's going to take three minutes. Okay, sure. The only thing I need you to do is have intention. Have intention and become it. We don't have much time, so just do it. Okay. Just are we on it. Facebook Live? right now we are are we no Fantastic. okay do you have your intentions are you your intentions do you have it do you feel it do you smell it do you taste it do you hear what's happening when you are in that intention all right wonderful now i will need you to stand up we're gonna do something we're gonna move our sexual center so we can activate that energy
Beautiful. And stop. Now take a deep breath. And with exhale, squeeze the muscles of your sex organs, your anus and your perineum and lower belly. Just squeeze that. Just imagine you're squeezing it. And with the inhale, send that energy up into your heart. You can send it through your spine. And if it's not available to you, don't worry, just imagine it. Take an exhale and that energy send back into your genitals. And relax, let's squeeze. Let's do that again. Squeeze your genital muscles and send them up through your spine into your heart. And back down. And now we're going to go a little more higher. Squeeze. Send that into your heart. Feel the love. Mix that energy with love. Now send it up through your head. Exhale and send it back down into your genitals. Squeeze. Move that energy up your spine to your heart. Feel the love, mix the energy and put it more through your head and meet your intention. Meet your intention, what it is that I really want. Exhale and let's do that one more last time. Squeeze the muscles. Send that energy up through your heart up through your head and meet your intention. This is what I am. This is what I already have. Beautiful and exhale. This energy is always yours. We tend to think that there must be someone else to activate that energy, but we don't need that. That sexual energy is always ours. It's the superpower we are so much looking for. Now go home and try it with your partner or by yourself and good luck with sex magic and manifesting. Thank you, Helena. Before you go, just before you go, could you break down that process? Yes. So that now, as we have a chance to journal and write it down, we remember Beautiful. what to do. Beautiful. Step number one, remember it's about intention and awareness. Step number two, own your pleasure. It's in the pleasure. It's in those high states of arousal. You know, we grew up in sex-negative culture. We were told that to be primal and to feel the pleasure is something demonic. It's not. It's your superpower. Understand that sexual energy is yours. So firstly, when you did it here, we were doing it vertically. I'm guessing when we go home, we do it horizontally. Honey, you can do it however you want. Okay, great. Now the first thing is we take a deep breath. Can you break down that part for us so yes. that we are clear on what we are visualizing with the breath? With the inhale, energy goes up through your spine or around your spine. It doesn't have to be scientific, just feel it. 
It's the kundalini energy. It's the energy of life. So you're pulling up the energy from your sacral chakra, from your yes. genitals, up to your, your heart. Your heart. Yeah. And you're connecting the sexual energy with heart. I see. And then you're connecting it with pituitary gland. You don't and have to do it mindfully. that's when you exhale? That's when you exhale? You exhale going down. Okay. You exhale going down. So you breathe in, you can bring it to your heart, you bring it up, and then you exhale and you bring it down again. Yes. So you bring it up to the heart and then... And the if you are head. manifesting, really, put it out into the universe. Let it go out. Let it resonate the vibration which you are carrying, because you are your intention. Let the universe, hey, here I am. Do you feel right. me? Do you feel my pleasure? So in one breath that's going up to your heart, to the top of your head, and out to the universe. And then down. Then you exhale and it goes down again. Right. There are different types of breath. I wouldn't focus so much on the breath. You don't need the details of things. You really just need the intention. And you need, we squeeze the muscles because we are not allowed to access pleasure right away, right now. So I wanted you to squeeze the muscles so you would feel your genitals. But you don't necessarily have to squeeze the muscles of your genitals. You just need to feel the pleasure, play with the pleasure. I see. Play with the sexual energy. I see. Amazing. And if we were doing this with a partner, it'll be the same process, but both partners are doing it. And you are connecting also on a heart level. There is the love. That's a beautiful nuance. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Helena. Yeah. Please give a big round of applause to Helena. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what she's going to make me do for her next. So next up, let's talk about what we've discussed. I wanted this presentation to be a bit of a journey, to kind of take you guys on a tour. But the main idea behind this presentation is to understand that, in a way, Western society gets us to look at a very limited view of what is reality. And that our minds and our consciousness are so much more profound and deeper and complex. And we don't have the explanation for all of these things. You learned about alpha brainwaves. You dipped into theta and learned how to use theta to tap into psychic ability. You learned about how you can get our brains to synchronize with each other when we go into deep connection with someone. Remember, that's also happening in sacred sexuality. When you're having a deep connection with someone, your brainwaves are being synchronized. You learned how to access lucid dreams and what this state was about. And now you learned the concept of sex magic you got a quick beginner course in sacred sexuality. All of these have one thing in common. You're accessing altered states of consciousness. Stephen Kotler wrote a remarkable book on this topic called Stealing Fire. If you want to go deep into altered states of consciousness, read Stealing Fire. Stephen Kotler is also a dear friend and he has a quest on Mind Valley. Now in Stealing Fire, Stephen Kotler says this, altered states of consciousness and the chase to access these altered states, whether it's neurotraining, it's pharmacology, it's people going on ayahuasca journeys, it's medical science that they're bringing into the US military, it's things such as microdosing happening in Silicon Valley. This is now a trillion dollar economy. Let me repeat that. What Kotler is saying is that our global chase for altered states is a trillion dollar economy that is bigger than Apple. But because we don't often see 
how it's working. We underestimate how powerful these things are. But when people take certain types of drugs, when people meditate, when people go for flow state training, when people go for sacred sexuality classes, the one thing all of this have in common is you're tapping into these altered states. And when you consciously understand how powerful your mind is, you're able to access this more reliably. So there are many different parts you could take this journey on, but a great guide to get you to understand this is to read Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler. Now, let's bring on our final speaker, and here you're going to learn about one of the more intriguing aspects of altered states. This is the idea that consciousness itself can leave the body. Now, science has been puzzled by this. In Dean Radin's book, Conscious Universe, Dean Radin, PhD, said there's a lot of bullshit out there when it comes to psychic phenomenon. But there are certain things that we cannot deny. And one of these things that we cannot deny is the concept of OBEs, or out-of-body experiences. In many hospitals, doctors who are putting a patient under anesthesia or bringing a patient back when that patient has died, when the patient comes back, the patient often reports a similar thing. They report floating over their body. And in one study, what the doctors did was they placed a number at the top of a closet above the medical room. So you cannot see the number unless you are theoretically floating on the ceiling. Patients would come back and they would remember that number. So there's a lot of evidence for out-of-body experiences. Astral projection is a willful out-of-body experience. You, on your own accord, are directing your consciousness to leave your body, travel across time and space, and observe other realms. It is a bizarre experience. I experienced it once, and all I can say is, it's kind of weird. But it's amazing, and I want to do it again and again and again. I just haven't been able to bring it back reliably. So for that, I want to bring up Jade Shaw, who, incidentally, is Charlie Morley's partner. So Jade, please come on stage. So Jade is an astral projection teacher. And Jade, let's talk about astral projection. So I think you said it already. So astral projection is a self-initiated out-of-body experience. But what kind of really is an out-of-body experience? It sounds a little bit out there, right? So an out-of-body experience is an experience of our self-awareness, so our consciousness shifting beyond the physical body. So much so, we could turn around and look at our body behind us. Now, what's really interesting, because you've been talking about brainwave states, I thought I'd mention that neuroscientists have just started to put brainwaves like the electrodes on your picture on people who are able to self-induce out-of-body experiences. Because just before we have one, we go through what's called the vibrational state. And actually, some of you here might have felt this before and not known what it is. So the vibrational state is a lot of these intracranial sounds, a feeling of energy flooding through the body. It can sometimes be quite overwhelming. And they've put them in these brain states under electrodes, and they've found that they go into gamma. So gamma is the brain state of awe, of epiphany, of creativity. It's the aha moment, yeah. basically. So you guys often hear of alpha, beta, theta, delta. Gamma is relatively new. It was discovered by Harvard scientists in 1993 when they were observing the brain states of a certain group of Buddhist monks. And what's interesting with this is the monks were getting to peaks of 70, 80 in the gamma brainwave. The people who are in the vibrational state, so the transition state to an out-of-body experience, were hitting peaks of 200. So that's been unheard of before. So that it's really rapid vibration. 
that's happening. Rapid vibration. And we feel this very physically. It's not like it's in the brain, we're going on a journey. It's a very physical feeling, even though our physical body is not moving whatsoever. So what happens when you have an astral projection? Tell us some of the crazy adventures you've had in your head. Well, I could share a part of my story. Okay. So I'll share my first adult out-of-body experience, which changed my life and changed my career. But it actually starts when I was a child. So when I was little, I had a really scary night times. It was terrifying. I would feel like my whole bed was shaking. I'd hear these crazy sounds. Sometimes it seemed like I was seeing through my eyelids. And it went on for quite a few years. And my mum even thought about taking me to see a child psychologist. But she says, let's leave it a couple more months and see what happens. But what I realized was when this would happen, I would slow down my breathing. And when I slowed my breathing, the vibrations came to a stop. Now, fast forward several, several years. I'm in my 30s. I've married my husband. I run my own dance company. And I walk into a bookshop. And it's a proper Harry Potter moment with dusty bookshelves. And I pick up Robert Monroe's Journeys Out of the Body. Amazing book. So this is a classic astral projection book. You've got to get it if you want to try this out. Robert Monroe, Journeys Out of the Body. So I look at the book and I read it and he's talking about these visual perceptions, energy running through the body, these electrical sensations here in frequency. And I think, oh my God, this is what happened to me as a child. If I try to bring this state on now, will I be able to have an out-of-body experience? So I gave it a go, nothing. I tried for three weeks, nothing. Just to put this into perspective, I was talking to Vision two days ago at dinner. He was like, it took me ages to have an out-of-body experience, absolutely ages. I was there for 14 minutes, and then I had one. I was like, Vision, you did it in 14 minutes. It took me like six weeks. <laughs> so yeah, six weeks later, I go, do you know what? They're probably just having a lucid dream. They sound quite similar. So I just gave up. And then I got up one night to go to the toilet. I got back into bed and I slipped into the hypnagogic state. As Charlie said, that state between waking and sleep. So I was awake in an altered state and I felt the vibrations happening. So I was like, oh my God, okay, stay calm. Do an exit technique. So there's numerous ways we can exit the body. One is floating out, like we hear in the stories. One is sinking through the back. Another one is rolling out. So I thought, that's what I'm going to do. So I decided to roll out of my body. And it feels like, you know when you get glue on your hands when you're little and you peel it off? It felt like that, but peeling it away from my whole body. And then I thought to stand up. What happened as soon as I thought stand up? I was stood up. It's a thought-responsive environment. I'm, okay, I'm in my bedroom, my body's on the bed, I'm going to go out the window. So I went out the window, dropped down into the street, and I looked down at my physical body, or where it should be. And I was this translucent, mirror, mirage-like energy form. And when I moved my hand, it was a little bit like when light leaves a trail behind. Kind of like... And I do remember thinking... Oh my God, this is so cool. But I thought, let me see if I can evidence this experience. So I traveled through the streets for a little while, and I came to a crossroads. And there was a door on the left-hand side. It was a green door with an arched top, and there were paint stripping off. And it said number 18. Okay, number 18, door in the corner. I can remember how I've got here. I'm still here. This is quite a long OBE, right? I know what I'll do. 
take me to Nirvana. But as soon as I said that, the experience was out of my control. Some sort of unseen force lifted me up, 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 above the trees. But before I got to the clouds, I seemed to pass through this thin sheet of static, is the best way I can describe it. And as I passed through, I lost my energy form. And it was a little bit like passing from two different elements, like water to air. I was now just a floating point of perception. There was no up, down, left, right, no sense of space, and I found myself in a huge, massive tunnel with a beautiful white light at the end, and I was gravitating towards it. It was like I was magnetized. I got halfway. What happened? I felt fear. What happens when you feel fear in an out-of-body experience? Right. Back to my body. I sat up, looking at my hands like this. Charlie was laid in bed next to me. He sat up with a bolt. We're both dreamers, so we knew something had happened. He says, what's wrong, what's wrong? I say, I think I've just had an out-of-body experience. He goes, oh, okay, well done, well done. Rolls over, goes back to sleep. <laughs> Typical. But I'm like, no, I've had this powerful experience. But that same day, I went back to the house on the corner, Number 18, looked at the door, exactly the same door and number as in my experience. Number 18. Hadn't been there before, it wasn't my memory or imagination. I also looked at the tunnel of light, and some of you might know, this is kind of a classic sign of a near-death experience, classic symptom. But I do want to point out, it's not normal for us to reach the tunnel of light in an out-of-body experience. That is self-initiated. I believe it's because I requested mm -hmm. to go to Nirvana, and so I was taken. Because a lot of people don't know, you can have an intention in an out-of-body experience that can help with healing, psychological and spiritual awakening so so out of body yeah. experiences it's a fascinating idea in Monroe's journeys out of the body he speaks about how when you leave your body you see not just other people having a national projection mm. but you see what we commonly call spirits so Monroe spoke about how leaving his house once on his front porch he saw a lineup of cats and dogs and these were all his pets that he had had who had then died through the ages. Their spirit was there playing with each other and in that same home. It's fascinating. And he says he would meet not just other OBEs, he said he would see lost souls, spirits of the deceased who could not find their way to the other realm. And so Robert started an institute called the Monroe Institute. It's in Virginia. I actually went and I spent five days studying there. And they use sound technology to get you to leave your body and to access deep states of meditation. And it's fascinating. The people whom you meet at the Monroe Institute are not spiritual seekers. You meet astronauts, you meet Marines, you meet scientists. This is real stuff. Mm -hmm. In one interesting experiment, scientists send astral projection experts expert being a loosely defined word because there's still so much we learn. They sent these people to Pluto before the first satellites were able to get any type of picture of what Pluto looked like. And these experts who were able to project their awareness to Pluto were able to describe what that planet looked like. It's a fascinating field. Now, what would we need to do if people here wanted to experiment or get started with astral projection? Well, because there was quite a lot of lucid dreamers, I could teach you a technique to springboard from the lucid dream state into an out-of-body experience. Okay, let's hear that. Because that might be a little bit easier if you already lucid dream. Does that sound okay? 
Okay, so it's going to be about a minute and a half. All right. And I'm going to need to get you to stand up if that's okay. So we're going to rehearse what we will do in a lucid dream if we have one. So this is for the purpose of shifting beyond the dream state, beyond our own psychology, and entering the greater consciousness, the multiverse, if you like. Can I have this half of the room turn and face this way to the center? Can I have this half of the room turn and face this half so you're both kind of facing each other? Okay, so you'll have about one step in front of you that you should be able to do. So if you get lucid tonight or at any time and you're interested in this practice, I want you to rub your hands together. So rubbing our hands together. And whilst you're doing this in the lucid dream, thinking about generating energy with your hands, which we are going to use to create a portal. Yes, you heard it right. This is the triangle portal technique. Okay. So we're going to put our hands above our heads with the energy we've just created. You might feel it in your hands. We're going to drag our hands down as far as we can, making a triangle to the floor. Now, you might not get down to the floor because there's people in the way. You can do it halfway. And then we're going to join our hands at the bottom. At the same time, we're kind of imagining that we've just created a triangle. In the lucid dream, something will actually happen. Standing up, creating the hands again. We're going to fill in the triangle with this energy or light. It might show up as color or light or even something unexpected in the lucid dream. And we're just going to color in our imagined visualization of that triangle doorway. So a little bit like the Stargate in the Stargate film. Okay, so we've made this portal. It will be physically there in the lucid dream. I want you to repeat after me. When I step through this portal, I will exit my physical body. When I step through this, this portal, portal, I will exit, exit my physical, physical body. body. Okay, we have to mean it. We have to mean it and it has to be a demand. Okay, so we're going to do it one more time and we're really going to demand it because the lucid dream state responds to strong requests. When I step through this portal, I will exit my physical body. One more time. When I step through when this portal, portal, I will exit, exit my, my physical body. body. and step through the portal. If we were in a lucid dream right now, something would happen. It's different for everybody. You might feel a sensation of going somewhere. The environment might shift. Someone might appear and take you somewhere. It will be slightly different for everyone. Nothing will happen now, because we're not in a dream. Or are we? Who can remember the reality check? Ah, uh, okay, yes, <laughs> we're not in a dream. Okay, so if you get lucid, you can try that and then just see what happens and let me know. Thank you, Jade. Now, Thank you. so are you guys okay with another five minutes? Or have we gone weird enough for you? So, Charlie, could you come on stage, please? And in a moment, I'm going to call Helena and Layla back on stage, so just brace yourself. So Charlie, Jade, you guys are a couple. You sleep next to each other while having adventures in your head. I'm just curious how this relationship works, because over dinner a few days ago, Jade, you told me that sometimes you decide to appear in Charlie's dreams, and you make an appearance in his dreams while riding a woolly mammoth. <laughs> so... Charlie and I, I want to do more of these really fun, cool experiments. I'm a very discerning person, so I want to do lots of proof stuff. So I want to do all the cool, fun experiments. Charlie just wants to do all the spiritual practice because he's a devout Tibetan Buddhist. So we've done this experiment once where 
I tried to enter his dream from my lucid dream. So we both went to bed, had the intention to have a lucid dream at a certain time in the night, and I got lucid, and I said, woolly mammoth, come to me now, woolly mammoth, come to me now. The reason why I chose a woolly mammoth, because I wanted to choose something so distinctive, he couldn't just fake it. Like, oh yeah, you came and you manifested near a tree or something very basic. So, woolly mammoth, come to me now. I turn around, and there's this huge woolly mammoth. So I get on top of this woolly mammoth, and I say, enter Charlie Morley's dream. Enter, again, strong demand, strong demand. Enter Charlie Morley's dream. So I'm on my mammoth, and I go into his dream, and I see Charlie there. I get too excited, I wake myself up. So at that time that Jade is doing that, I'm on the other side of the world leading a lucid dreaming retreat in South Africa including the two-hour time difference in that exact same dream cycle, because we both write down our dreams multiple times a night, so we knew it was exactly the same time, including the time difference, I have the following dream. I'm in a dream, not fully lucid, but witnessing, which is where you have kind of a subtle awareness that it's a dream, but you're not so fully lucid that you're choosing to control it and change it. I'm in this witnessing dream, I'm walking down a street in London. Suddenly, out of nowhere, an elephant walks into the dream. Not a woolly mammoth, but an elephant. It walks in, and I'm like, what the hell is an elephant doing in London? What a weird dream. It walks up to me, goes on its knees like this, and goes, like, ride me. And I'm like, what? So I kind of clamber onto this elephant and start riding it through London. And I'm going, what the hell is this about? Then I wake up. I write down my dreams. Two weeks later, I come back from the tour of Southern Africa. Jade says, what were you dreaming about on August the 11th? Well, let me tell you. I go, which dream period? She goes, well, for you, it'd be 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., including the time difference. Okay, I'll tell you. Oh, nothing much. She had this crazy dream. I was in London, then this elephant walked in, I rode it. And she was like, what? An elephant? I sent you a woolly mammoth. We almost did it. <laughs> Now, you might think, but that wasn't a hit. She sent a woolly mammoth. I got an elephant. Someone recently said, you were in South Africa. It was hot. The elephant needed to shed its fur in order to come into your dream. Who knows? <laughs> That's awesome. So, Leila, Helena, come on stage, please. And let's recap what you've learned today. So you've learned how to go into deep states of consciousness, tap into psychic ability. You've learned how to pleasure yourself while manifesting. You've learned techniques to leave your body, to wake up in your dreams, to ride elephants in alternate realms. You've learned how to create a portal and to step through that portal. And... When you tell this to your friends and ask them to come back to Mind Valley University, and when they tell you it sounds too woo-woo for me, you can tell them, oh, it's not woo-woo, that's just a pre-trans fallacy. <laughs> so please give a big round of applause. Photographers, are you ready? <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you find this interesting, and if you love the idea of altered states, consider checking out my program, Be Extraordinary. You can find it on mindvalley.com forward slash B dash extraordinary. This is a new Mindvalley program I recently created, and it teaches you how to access altered states and use these altered states to transform your relationship with the world and supercharge everything you're trying to do. It is one of the most highly rated programs in Mindvalley, and it will blow your mind. Recently, Bianca Andrescu, who won the US Open and beat Serena Williams. Bianca is only 19. She's one of the students of this program. And when journalists asked her after she defeated Serena Williams, what was her secret? She spoke about personal growth. And when they asked her, what are you studying? She held up my book. She's also a graduate of this program and tweeted about how it changed her life. So go check it out. 
Christian Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.